to realize the atrocities that are taking place. Is there not a cause? What can we learn from David? It's a good question to ask because we have some giants to take down. I may not have listed your giant. I may not know exactly when your giant's going to end up in your row and in your place and in front of you, but what can we learn to be prepared? You got your Bible with you? Say this with me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can be who it says I can be. It was written for me and for you for our correction for our direction and our soon coming resurrection. Oh Lord, be it unto me according to your word in Jesus name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 17, verse one. Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko and belongs to Judah. Notice that which belongs to Judah. Judah's a place of praise, right? It's a territorial place of praise. It was very important that Judah was always reserved and that it was, it was in control of the people of God, but they would lose it at different times. They encamped between Sokov and Ezekah and Ephesus and Demon and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. So both groups are gathered and they encamped in the Valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. You know, a lot of our battles and a lot of our wars uh, should and do take place in praise and worship. And in our time of praise, it's one of our weapons. It's one of our, our go-tos. It's what we use. You know, we sing the little phrase, this is how I fight my battles, right? And we see it throughout the history of the people of God that they would use praise and worship and they would use it to prepare and to set an atmosphere, to ambush and to invite the presence of God into them. One thing that really caught my attention in these first two verses is that they were in battle array. And I thought, battle array? I never really stopped and thought about that. It means they were dressed for battle. It means they had on all their praise and worship, looks, ideas, thoughts, wearing the same jeans that the worship leaders lead in, uh, other places. In the... They were dressed in their Sunday best. They were all ready for battle, but they're just dressed up. You and I know as well as anybody has read this, there's no battle going on, but they're dressed for battle. And I think so often we come to church dressed for battle. And while others are worshiping their hearts out, while others are worshiping their face off, what I mean by that, the makeup is running and everything's going somewhere else. Their hair's out of order and everything. And they're just going for God. Some of us are feeling good during worship. But as soon as worship is over, we're right back in that oppression, we're right back in that depression, we're right back in that, that whatever it may be. We need to be very careful that we come prepared to worship. Are you with me? And not just put our garments on when they get on the stage, but keep that garment on. Amen. There's a warfare that's taking place. We don't just want to be dressed up and act like uh, we don't want to be just uh, uh, on the outside, but it's got to come from the inside. In verse 3, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath. 
It tells you a little bit about Goliath. It tells you how big he was. Some people say anywhere from 7 feet 11 inches to 9 feet something. He was massive. Um, different people look at it from different scriptural perspectives there, but he was big. Nothing but big. And you see the armor and you see the weight of it and you see the size of it. You realize this guy, if he could handle that stuff, he could flip me around like a, like a flyer, like an ant. I mean, he's just massive. He's huge. That's not the point. Okay? That's not the point. The, the point is what's going on in the heart, what's going on in the spirit. But notice here it says he was a champion. That literally means that he had defeated some opponents. You may realize that there's a giant in your life, something that is bigger than you, something that is more powerful than you, something you haven't been able to, to, to handle, something you haven't been able to see through or to see around, and it's just big. And then you start to realize it's beat other people. And sometimes we accept, well, just because they're beaten, therefore I can be beaten and still be okay. But notice one thing it didn't say about him. It did not say he was undefeated. Now, we would tend to lean to believe that he was undefeated. Because he's beating us, he's resisting us, he's hindering us. We don't see a way out of this. We don't see a way around this. He's beating other people. He's a champion. He has, a, he has the belt buckle to prove it. He has, he has the, the patch on his jacket. His, his battle array is, is more decorated than anybody else's. But the one reason, even if he had not yet lost any opponents, he's already defeated in God's eyes. Already defeated. Because we do serve the undefeated one. I have to somehow let you know that you can have victory in any area, yes, in every area of your life through Jesus Christ. You can have victory in any one of them. Every single one of them, victory comes through Jesus. Are you with me? Now, here's one of the deal. You could sit there and talk about how big Goliath was, but we need to stop telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is. Amen? Let me just ask you a question. Anybody have any problems in here right now? You need to have the resolve that God can solve that problem. We'll go down into verse, um, let's go to verse 9. He said, am I not, Goliath is speaking, he said, am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself. Now you see, Saul had won a few victories over them. But things have changed. Uh, Saul has stepped into pride. And maybe we're sitting in here today and we had some great early victories in our life. But now because of a few setbacks and a few challenges and some hindrances in our life and some, some stop of the flow of the move of God in our life and things are just kind of stalemated and we're starting to realize, hey, maybe I can't win this. Maybe I can't defeat this. It's given the opportunity for the enemy to have a louder voice. He said, choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. He's dealing with the problem that got them into the situation they're in. Because the people wanted a king. And the people chose they wanted a king. They didn't choose Saul. God still chose him through Samuel, but the people wanted a king. So he's using a complex, he's using a concept of the people that if they would choose for themselves, he'd know he'd beat them. If they'd make their own choices vacant of God in the way they want it, he knew he'd have the upper hand on them. So he's taunting them in essence. Choose for yourselves a man, let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, 
Notice how he's putting it out in stages. One, if he's able to fight with me um, and, and start questioning, well, I'm probably not able to fight with him. I don't have a sword as big as his sword. I don't have a spear as big as his sword. I don't have armor like he has. And you start going to all these deductions why you can't. You see, Saul, excuse me, Goliath is speaking from the voice of the enemy. He's going to use the same tactics on you as he used in this situation. He said, well, then if he is able to fight with me, because some people just go for it and I'm going to live or die one way or the other. He said, but then if he can kill me, well, I might, gotten, I might, I, I might be able to fight him, but I probably can't kill him. Then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. If you don't beat your giant, you'll become a slave to its culture. You need to hear me. And every one of us need to re-enlist. I mean, as I was worshiping earlier, I had no clue that they're going to sing a new song and they nailed it and, and they're up there singing and, and then all of a sudden one of the lines is that he can slay the tallest giant. You, you, if you were anywhere near me, you probably heard me do one of my, woo! Yeah! Because we're going to slay some giants. They may not go down in the next hour, but we're going to enlist. Amen? But we're going to join in. We're going to fight this thing. You need to hear me. If you don't slay the giant, you'll become servant to its culture. And I don't know what that might mean for, for that which follows you, that which is around you. Every generation will have their opportunity to rise to the occasion. Today we have a fresh opportunity. Dismayed means to lose courage or resolution. Do you remember the day when you believed God could do anything? Yes, all things and nothing was impossible for him. And it might have just been a day, but you're resolved at that. It was a resolution. You knew that he was going to take care of it. You knew that all things were going to work together for your good. Why? Because you loved him and you're called according to his purpose. You knew that, you knew that anything that he started, he's going to be faithful to finish it. Maybe you're not there today. This message fits you specifically. A resolution. Upset or disturbed. That just upsets me. That disturbs me. Have you ever heard something and, and, or done something, been involved in something, and it was just terrible, and you, and you walked away and did everything you could to forget it, and about eight hours later, you're lying your head down the bed, and you're going, something's supposed to be bothering me. Something's supposed to be, something's not right, and, and, and everything is right. But you're still upset, disturbed. It lingers. It hangs there. That giant is trying to discourage you, trying to dismay you. He uses fear tactics. What if? What if I do? What if I don't? What if he does? What if he doesn't? He's so big. Let's move on down to verse 20. 
We get a little story of David, the Ephorite of Bethlehem, and he's all excited about this stuff. He's the youngest of these boys. His brothers have gone off to this battle, to this war, to this battlefield, they should say, and, and they go off there, and, and his dad uh, has him out tending the sheep and caring for the sheep. Uh, that's what he was there for. We'll pick up in verse 17. And then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain and these ten loaves. Run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand. And see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in this valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David was merely an errand boy, an errand boy. He was running errands for his dad. He was doing what needed to keep being done. But notice this, that he was the servant to thousands. It's all perspective of where you pick yourself up in here. How big is your problem or how small are you or how important is the little bit you're doing? David found the importance in all these things. He's very attentive to what was going on. I'm going to tell you how to slay your giant. I'm going to give you some thoughts. He was attentive. He was aware. Even Wednesday nights and Tuesday morning Bible studies and Friday night family devotions, whatever you choose to do, all those things, as small as they seem to be. I was right here in worship a little while ago and the Lord said, I need you to re-enlist in this area. Oh, that's not as big as this and that's not as big. No, no, no. re-enlist. Get in there. Get in there. So David's running around. Why is, he a, why is he a servant to thousands? Remember, he's taking cheese to the captain of thousands. He's getting these unique associations that otherwise he didn't have. Be very alert and very aware of the interactions you're starting to come into. Why did I bump into this person? Why did this person uh, get my phone number? Why did I get, uh, what is going on in the atmosphere? You need to understand where you are is where he can do what he needs to do. If you're always thinking it's somewhere else, you're always thinking it's some other time, you may miss the equipping, the preparation of what you need for the operation. So David rose early in the morning her strike one. Did you hear me? So David, we understand that David is a young boy. We understand that David isn't waiting until he's off doing this and off doing that. What you're not doing now, you won't be doing then. I promise you. You won't be. You start doing now what you know you'll need to be doing then. I got news for you. Most people have to get up and go to work about seven o'clock in the morning, no later than nine. The ones that are going at nine, they're having to feed three children. I'm talking to some young ones in here. Start getting yourself up and prepared. Every great character in the Bible rose up early in the morning. One being Jesus. Amen? So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded. He came to the camp of the army, was going out to fight for the shouting, excuse me, was going out to fight and shouting for the battle for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array. They're all dressed up again. Friends, they're playing army. They're, they're, they're army men and army girls out there. They're just all dressed up. 
For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of a supply keeper, ran to the army, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. And so David heard him. Let's look at a few things in here. One, he had personal discipline. He rose up early in the morning. Two, he was responsible enough, even at a young age, to leave the sheep with a keeper. Have you ever found somebody that something was so exciting and someone was so exhilarating and somewhere they really wanted to be and they forgot where they were and didn't do what they're supposed to do? That's unfinished business, friends. That's, an, that's a doorway for the enemy to get in and to disturb and to trouble, to steal and to wound and to destroy something. Listen to me. We need to be a responsible people. He made sure that he left the sheep with a keeper. And then it goes on and says that he was instructed by his dad what to do. Notice he did what his dad told him to do. He even went and greeted his brothers. Now you're going to find out here his brothers weren't like the most kind people to be around. They weren't like the most inviting, welcoming, warm, covering big brothers there. Uh, they were a little bit, little bit, uh, they're the ones that gave him the flack, if you would. But he still did what his dad told him to do. He was obedient. He greeted because he was going to have to take back. Listen, he had no idea he was getting ready to stay there for war. But he knew he had a responsibility to go back and give report to his dad. He was faithful in little things. Look at me. Look at me, church. You must be faithful in little things. You must learn to be obedient to the commands of the authority that God puts in your life if you ever think you're going to be obedient to the God of authority in your life. Years ago, I was speaking at a youth event. And there's a bunch of, maybe about many teenagers there. And it came time for me to speak. The youth pastor was gone. I was a guest. He wanted me to fill in for him. I'm speaking. And they would not be quiet. Another guy had to come up and try to hush him and quiet him down, do the cheerio sign, all these little children things, just to get teenagers to be quiet. And I walked up, unbeknownst to what I was going to say as an introduction, and this just dropped in my spirit. If you cannot be obedient to the man of God in your life, what makes you think you'll be obedient to the God of man in your life? I don't know who you think you're fooling. Nobody. That's why God puts structure in families. That's why he puts authority figures in government. That's why he puts authority. So we can learn to be obedient to him. David was obedient to his dad, which positioned him, equipped him, prepared him, to be obedient to God. If you think you know better than your mom or dad, you'll have the tendency to think you know better than the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and God. He kept the commandments. He was obedient. So he runs out. There was the army going out to fight and shouting for battle. The ones in the battlefield still dressed in battle. Listen, they were nothing more than a shouting match. Nothing more than a shouting match. Yelling and screaming back and forth at one another. David ran to the battlefield, not from the battlefield. Let's just take, we'll take the example of a house. 
or a church or a business, a facility that needs some maintenance. We have a tendency when we see a problem or an issue that's going to require some time or some extra effort to run from it than instead of running to it. How many things in your house, how many times do you wish you would have taken the garbage out when the drawstring covered everything? My goodness. We're not the only house. Wow. Come on, somebody. How many times cleaning out the refrigerator? <laughs> and they go, honey, you better do that. I think I'm pregnant. No, 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 no. It's the stank in the refrigerator. We'll stop right there. Come on. How many of y'all wish you would have gone to it on Friday when it's time to clean the refrigerator out and ate the leftovers when you went to the grocery store whining and crying that you're paying 15% more, but 25% is being thrown out of your refrigerator? I'm meddling. David ran to it, not from it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get it as simple as you can. Friends, I don't know what lies after revision. I don't. I don't know what we need to get ready for. But when someone calls me from another state, a thousand some miles away and said, God just spoke to me, get ready for an influx of people. We better get ready. Amen. When God says plant churches, not just send people. That means people are going to have to go with people who are planting churches. You might have to move somewhere else. And some of y'all just said, oh, that'd be awesome because I need to get out of where I'm at because I'm in really bad trouble. Take care of your issues or you'll carry them with you. Anybody who's going to go, listen to me, I'm going to say this. Anybody who's going to go and plant churches with churches that we're going to plant and send and release out, you will be tested. You will be interviewed. We will look into it deep. We don't need to carry issues into other cities. We're going for a blessing, not for a curse. Amen. He, he left the supplies in the hands. He's running out in the battlefield. Listen to me. He gets, sometimes you have to get an earshot to get your shot. You see, David got so close to the battlefield, he heard Goliath for himself. And it startled him. And they're like, oh, that happens every day. Aren't you tired of what's happening every day? Not getting interrupted with somebody who will go slay the giant instead of just let it keep going? So you got to get close to the battlefield. You, you got to get close to where things are happening. You, you need to go to uh, 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 the, the school board meetings. You need to go to the city council meetings. You need to go to, we have somebody who literally goes with the Jackson County, uh, 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 the, uh, the, the county commissioner's meeting, and they discuss things. Uh, we go to the turning point meetings. We go to different places to know what's going on. I'll be at the, the address for education. I think Pastor Joel's going to be there. Why? Because we need to know what's going on. We need to be aware of it. Are you with me? I said, are you with me? If you're with me, you'd be going to. I'm not trying to be ugly. But if you were really with me, you'd be at Trail of Treats. 
If you're really with me, you would be at Love Thy Neighbor. If you're really with me, you'd be at 12 bushels. Now, we can't all be at all of them, but we'd be at something. Listen to me, church. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for you. And you and I need to be as ready. And I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten to a point and somebody asks you a question like, um, um, I forgot. I forgot. And you have not done what was asked of you. Here, here's one of the worst ones. Hey, would you pray for me? Absolutely, brother, sister. I'll pray for you. Yes, I will. Three weeks later, man, thank you for praying for me. Pardon me? Thanks for praying. Oh, <laughs> things worked out because we forgot to pray. Are you with me? You'll be at prayer meetings. Are you with me? You see what I'm saying? We need to get engaged. We need to get involved. We need to revival ourselves. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Uh, dreadfully afraid means it's causing great fear, oppressive fear. David ran to it. We see others running from it. Verse 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's come up? Surely has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that a man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and give him his father and the house of exemption from taxes in Israel. Now, I think somewhere in there, somebody would take at least one out of three. Tax-free? Tax-free? Uh, we had a, uh, we're doing some, some renovations uh, at our house. And everything's budgeted out. Everything's line itemed out there. And last night, Gretchen finally got in touch with somebody to order a certain product. And they said, oh, by the way, there's no taxes on that. There's no taxes on that. And Gretchen just smiling and thinks it's because of her. And I'm reeling this because of me. Because I'm going to preach about David and be tax-free. Because I'm going to enlist a bunch of people to slay some giants. Here's the point. Sure did feel good. It's worth it. All those phone calls that she made and that lady wasn't working and that lady couldn't take the call and that lady this and that. All those phone calls became tax free. And it was on sale. Instead of it was 12 is like 20 percent less than what normally costs. God will favor you. God will bless you. Amen. Have you seen this man? And then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, I love this picture. Uh, I'm sorry. What'd you say? What will he do? I, 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 I want, I want, I, want, I would like a daughter. Is, is, he's just a boy. He's talking to the men. He's becoming a man. Listen to me. Part of your development of becoming a man or woman of God is taking down the giants of other men and women. No, you need to hear it. Don't, don't, don't bind into the culture. It's just going to be this way. Like I heard a couple weeks on the phone. It's just going to be this way. It's, it's going to be this way. Our culture is, friends, our culture does not dictate our kingdom. Amen? 
I hope you're getting something. I'm just trying to share my heart with you. So David spoke to the men and stood by saying, well, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So David's not just in this for himself. He's in this for others. What is this spirit trying to do to Scottsboro? What is it trying to do to Guntersville? What is it trying to do to, to Langston? What is it? No, it, it's not going to be in my time. He's standing up against that which defies the armies of God. And the people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be for the man who kills him. Goodness gracious, we've been hearing this for 40 days. Enough's enough. So shall it be for him who kills him, not he who just fights with him. If you're fighting a giant, your victory and your reward is when you slay that giant. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he had spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. The errand boy, right? I mean, brought some cheese, some bread, stayed back. He's aroused in him. He, he's upset with him. He's angry at him. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Oh, he is condescending. He's condescending. I, I'm angry at you. I'm frustrated at you. You know, there's almost you can hear in Eliab's tone. Oh, here he goes again. He's probably going to kill the giant. So why'd you come down here? Left those sheep there. Why would he be frustrated? Because he's jealous. He's competitive. He's insecure. We ought to be cheering each other on to win our battles. Exhorting one another. Encouraging one another. Keeping the faith. Fighting the good fight. Are you with me, church? He said, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart. You have come down to see the battle. And David said, see what? There's nothing to see, guys. No, he didn't say that. It would have been the insolence of his heart. He said, what have I done now? I said, I, I never can do anything right for you. Friends, there's going to be those people that give you that flack. He said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? David's like, you, you, you've got this all wrong, Bro. Eliab, you, you need to hear something. It, it's, this isn't about my reward. It's about the cause. This is about the people of God. This is about those people that we just entered into a covenant relationship with last week. Remember, he's talking about an uncircumcised Philistine. Uncircumcised, saying that guy doesn't have covenant with God. And he's saying in a way to say, but we do. And we have God on our side. Greater is he. Mightier is he. God is with us. Nothing's impossible. He cannot defy God by thinking he can defy his people. He said, what have I done? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. Verse 31. Now, when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. I told you, if you get an earshot, 
you might get your shot. You get close to the battle. You get engaged in it. You might get your chance to see the victory. Give it another shot. Give it another opportunity. And then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So first things first. Remember, it's not the one who fights with him. It's the one who kills him. But David knew he had to get there to get the fight in him before he could ever get the victory. But once he starts speaking to the fight, he not only speaks to destroying the giant, he starts speaking to defeating the Philistines. It starts to flow. It starts to develop. It starts to build. He's getting his confidence. He's getting his courage in the midst of it. He said, don't let your heart be filled. But he's not just concerned about the giant and the Philistines. He's still concerned. He is in the middle of a battle. He's fighting against one and fighting for the other one. And he's doing it seemingly all by himself. Then David said to Saul, I'll go fight him. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he is a man of war from his youth. Oh, wait a second, Saul. Uh, You were a man of war from your youth. And obviously you never took this guy out. So obviously all those battles you went to, the other one where you took all the spoils wasn't the only place you didn't defeat everything you're supposed to defeat. Don't listen to a generation that can't beat their giants. You can beat the giants that God puts in front of you. He's trying to talk them down. He's trying to talk him out of it. David is putting himself in it. David is building himself up. That's why David said you can encourage yourself in the Lord. If you need somebody all the time to come pat you on the back and come rub your neck and come encourage you along and come to remind you all the time, you have got to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. We need you strong in the Lord. We need you mighty in the Lord. And there's going to be times that there's nobody with you, but you're there by yourself and God wants you to know. And that way he'll know that he is your God and you are his child. You cannot always work off of somebody else's grace, somebody else's mercy, somebody else's generosity, somebody else's kindness, somebody else's anointing, somebody else's gift. You need to build your own. Church is growing about 30%. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. The first time I got this, I just have to stop there. This is old bread, but used to keep? Like three hours ago? Think about it. I mean, this is a one-day event going on here. David said, man, I used to keep the sheep, but I left them with a keeper. I came here, I'm ready for war. I've enlisted. I burned the ships. Nothing, nothing holding me on back there. I don't have any responsibility. Everything's taken care of. I am here. I'm ready. I can go do this. Why such confidence? One, because he knew the giant had no circumcision. He said, I used to keep my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Get off the lions and tigers and bears a second. We sit in staff meetings. We have a computer-generated thing. 
and we go, so-and-so wasn't here. Such-and-such wasn't here last week, week before. You get a text from us, usually on a Tuesday. Maybe a call sometime during the week. If we failed, we missed it. You can say we failed you, but we're not trying to. Sometimes you're like, man, they might get offended if I text one more time. Oh, I hope they didn't get offended. It's called finding the ones. It's kingdom, it's principle. It's what we should do. But could you imagine if we all did it? We'd be in four services right now. When we started doing finding the ones, our attendance increased by 30 to 40 to 50% over a period of time because people realized they're accountable. People realize somebody cares about them. People realize. And you say, well, I don't know if you care about me. Get close enough to us. We do care. I'm trying to build a bigger church and a stronger church for God. Not bigger in numerical, but bigger in impact for God. So you need to hear me. I'm not trying to preach you and and to stir you and to quicken you. I'm giving you information. Okay? My, My Bible text this morning for me praying was to fill him with knowledge and understanding. I want you to understand. But could you imagine when your friend who used to sit next to you, they left instead of going, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm not sure. I I don't know. Come on. Have you gone after them? Have you gone after them? Have you tried to reach out to them? Come on, somebody. David said, when that lion or that bear came and took one of the sheep out of the flock. I went after him, and I grabbed him by the beard. You got to say it with a little ad, the beard. <laughs> Pulled him and killed him. Can you imagine killing a lion or a bear with your bare hands? David gets this opportunity. He's telling Saul what he's done before. He's given his testimony. And then he tries on Saul's equipment because Saul wanted to have a little bit of his battle array being used. Sure, the equipment wasn't too dirty. Who wants to wear the garments of a shouting match? That's about like wearing a Christian t-shirt and think you're testifying. And David said, you know what? He said, that stuff doesn't work for me. Too heavy, too weighty, too big. He said he walked in it. Just because you can walk in something doesn't mean you can fight in it. He said, um, he said, I can't wear this. He said, I haven't tested it. But what he had tested was what he had in his little shepherd's bag. He went and he got a slingshot out. He said, now this is tested. Remember, we already had the measurements of all of Saul's garment and armor. And then it said he went out, listen to this, this is important. He went out and he chose five smooth stones. You know why he chose? Because he'd made a lot of choices in life and he found some that worked and some that didn't work. And after that, he started making choices, just get the ones that work and things will work out. And maybe some things aren't working out in your life because some of the choices you keep choosing don't work. David made choices. You and I need to learn how to make choices. Get the smooth stone. And don't try to go get all the big stuff, all the strong stuff. Use stuff that we've already used before. 
that we know how to use it? Is there the possibility that the rats and the cats that you're killing now are going to be lions and bears one day? Is there the possibility that the lions and the bears that you're taking down are going to be giants one day? You're being tested. God knew who he was going to use. God knew how he was going to use it. But notice what he said here. So he's got his little bit of uh, garment on there. And David said, I cannot walk in these for I have test, not tested them. So David took them off. Friends, there's some things you need to take off. David did not test them. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. He got everything he knew to do everything he could do. You need to use everything you know to be able to do everything you know can work. Then he took his staff, chose himself. So the Philistines came and began drawing near to David. The Philistine came and started drawing near to David. It's a noticeable thing here is that he's gone from being described as Goliath and Goliath. Now he's the Philistine. Uh, and listen what he said to David. He said, you come out here. He said, well, is this a joke? He said, is this a joke? He said, I'm, I'm going to feed your carcass. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to tear you to pieces. He said, I'm not going to tear you to pieces. I'm going to, all the Philistines are going to be ours. He started having a bigger than just you. It was going beyond. Friends, wouldn't that be something if today you slayed your giant and while you're slaying your giant, you are slaying somebody else's enemies? Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin? He said, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He didn't say, I come with you with a BB Red Rider BB gun, a Winchester 3030, a Smith & Wesson. He didn't start calling out the name of some company. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. When you pray in the name of the Lord, you take on the nature of the Lord. When you come in the name of the Lord, you represent the Lord himself. God is saying, I'll use a little boy. I will appear to that giant like a little boy, but I will be the host that brings the victory. But I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel, as you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Is there the possibility that something could strikingly happen in your life that could cause the world to know that there's a God? Uh, just for a moment, think with me. That's what's happening. Just a little boy. Maybe you're young. Maybe when you're 10, 12, 13, somebody prophesied of you. Maybe you had a vision. Maybe you had a dream. Maybe you got saved. Something extraordinary happened in your life. And now you're just going through life as a shepherd boy, taking care of you. You liked about in the battlefield, but you haven't taken care of the sheep. But you learn to be responsible, being obedient. You're walking out. And then all of a sudden, you're in your moment. And your moment is not just going to prove to you. It's going to prove to them. I want you to stand to your feet with me. I wish I had time to go through it all.
everything opposing him was bigger than, greater than, more than everything he had, but his relationship and his faith in God. That's all we need. Amen. Amen. He slays the giant. Giant falls, takes his head off. He's got victory. One thing I want to point out. David had a staff. David had a stone. David had his pouch. David had his faith. One thing David did not have was the sword. Some things you don't get until some things you've already done. David may have tried to fight with a sword, but he had not yet tested a sword. Sometimes we're saying, if I have this, then I can do that. If I didn't have this, then I could do that. That's not the case. You have and you are what you have and what you are. You have enough right now. As long as you have him. Amen. When Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? Whose son is this youth? Have you ever read 1 Samuel 16? Where David was playing music for Saul? Have you ever been in the presence of somebody that they don't know you? You know them, but they don't know you. Small, insignificant. So the king inquired, Whose son is this young man? Then David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine. The slaughter. Let me say something to you. Don't punch your giant today. Slaughter your giant. Don't stop until he's done. Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? So David answered, said, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehem. If you were to take time to break down, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehem. You'd find out that David was making himself smaller, not bigger. What was Saul's problem? He forgot to keep himself small in his own eyes. You slay that giant, doesn't make you greater than somebody else. It's so that the Lord can be glorified. Amen. Well, let me just ask this question. Do you have a giant in your personal life? Do you have a giant in our community? Do you see a giant in our nation? Do you see a giant in the world? If you see a giant and you want to enlist to fight against that giant, I'm going to ask you where you are just to lift your hand. Just to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray grace, grace. I pray favor and faith over every son and daughter in this room, over every person who's willing to join the fight, the war, We will rise up against, we will run towards, not away. Father, I pray that you give us what it takes to make the right choices, to make the right decisions. 
pray that you'd give us vision and that we'd be able to see not just our giant, but see through our giants. And I'm praying over each and every one of us and us corporately to win some battles. Lord, I ask right now by the Spirit that you'll name the giant to each individual of what they're facing. They will see the one at work. They'll see the one at home. They'll see the one at church. They'll see the one wherever it may be. And Lord, that you would use us as we may. I'm asking that we could bring giants down and become giant slayers.